QVC Quality Violent Cinema. cinema we've got a couple guests for you today uh we're kind of going into a art round um with this so we have a couple people that are in the extreme uh horror community but in the art uh we got silas uh massoff and then um martin trafford uh so thank you i uh, appreciate you both coming on so uh, this would be kind of like a you know questioning for both of you but also kind of um want to open up for discussion and let you both kind of be able to ask each other questions and kind of get into um just into art and um extreme horror uh, they definitely can be connected and definitely are connected um and it's kind of cool to see that you guys are very much become staples and in, in that so welcome thank you cheers thanks for having us yeah yeah um so uh, in the beginning i might kind of have these both kind of questions for both of you um, I kind of just, uh, looking to start with, um, well, Cyrus to lead it and then, uh, Trafford can kind of follow into that. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, kind of going into like your, I mean, kind of the standard questions, like what inspired you to start, uh, getting into horror, um, style of art. So for me, um, I, well, I think it was really, really, really early on. Um, so my dad was an artist and a musician. Um, and from like the get-go, um, he would really, really try to cultivate um, creative outlets in me and um, introduce me to um, art making at a very, very young age. Um, and so like, as soon as I was able to hold something, they were trying to give me stuff to draw on, you know? Um, and and I, uh, I also, from the get-go, was really, really naturally um, inclined to, I, say, I just gravitated towards um, darker themed stuff. Like, I just really loved horror um, from a really, really young age. Uh, and I was, even though I didn't, I couldn't comprehend it or understand it, I was, I had this, like, obsession with that shitty um, 2000 Spawn movie. <laughs> or like late 90s or whatever hey, um, that soundtrack is awesome so it's, still it's awesome. fine like it, it's awesome <laughs> product of its time though you know when you especially yeah, when sure. you go back and watch stuff like that like that like that is a really good example or like queen of the damned or something like that let's like yeah the vampire romance aesthetic the movie like <laughs> um mm -hmm. but uh yeah so i was just really into that stuff i remember being like really really into the headless horseman and michael myers like 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 yeah. as soon as i like had the images of the two characters in my head i was just like fucking obsessed with them um but i uh my dad was also in the movies and he collected movies and showed me video games and stuff and i remember uh like he got a PlayStation for like both of us to play with when I was like five for Christmas. And um, the two games he got, he got Resident Evil 3 for him and he got like this Rugrats game for me. And I just like did not even show an interest <laughs> in the Rugrats game at all. And I was just like, no, I'm going to watch you play Resident Evil. And then I was terrified of it, but I couldn't like look away, you know. Um, so that was that was fun. I also had um, 
family friends who were influential in, in like getting me into horror. I had an, I consider him an uncle, but he was just one of my dad's close friends and bandmates since they were in like high school. Um, Tarkus was his name. And he, um, he just has this, I don't know if he still does. I, I need to catch up with him again. Um, but he had this really awesome horror collection in his finished basement. And he had like a big shelf of VHS and, a bunch of posters on the wall and, and it had like a little half kitchen in it and he had like an embalming machine in there um just in all this wacky shit and all these cool props and he had like a little like how people do the christmas miniature villages in the corners of their houses sometimes he had one that was like all halloween themed stuff um it was just an awesome place and it was like a, a wonderland of spooky shit <laughs> and um he he would let me pick out movies off the shelves to borrow and take uh-huh. home and then my dad and I would watch them together and that was so cool you know um so that's kind of what moved me in that direction and then in art I uh I just tended to do the same thing I would gravitate towards uh like showing spooky sh- I wanted to draw scary stuff that's that's what I wanted to do from the get-go so oh, cool yeah uh, on to you yeah well I uh I was, I was thinking about this the other day and I think I, I started drawing horrible things really young, like probably too young, worryingly young. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember my mother used to record, um, it, it was in the early days when we just got home VHS, uh, early 80s, and she used to record all the old um, Hammer Horror and uh, Universal oh, Monster yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we didn't have a great deal to play with, so I'd have my pens and paper and crayons out, and I felt a real affinity to the villains in the movies. So I just used to, you know, draw Frankenstein and werewolf, and then I started getting grosser and getting my imagination involved and skewering zombies and things. And I found, <laughs> I found, I found that I was half decent at it, and I really enjoyed the process of doing it as well. Um, sort of bringing to life these things by a paper on the screen. And uh, and I remember really upsetting my mother with one of the drawings. And, and that, that was like all I needed to draw more. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, more the more it upset people, the more I did it, because the more attention I got. <laughs> Especially at school, like the kids at school used to love it. Um, so I think this sort of art and horror kind of went hand in hand from very early on, really. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I could draw, I was drawing, you know, headless people and, <laughs> and <laughs> kids at school bisected and things, you know. Um, but yeah, and, and the, the whole VHS thing had started off then. So um, as far as like pop culture influences and things, like we used to get, uh, go to the, the VHS stores when they just opened up and it was the, the early days before the DPP 39 video nasty scare. Mm. So they had all those fantastic old big box VHS. I spit on your grave and on the nightmare on Elm streets and things as well. Evil dead. So I walking into a video store and seeing all those posters and covers. It was like mind blowing for me. Mm. I'd spend hours and hours just <clears throat> picking things up and looking at the covers and putting them back and, then I'd go home, I'd, I'd steal posters or, you know, the uh, trade magazines with the VHS that were coming soon sort of thing. And then I'd go home and sort of redraw and trace and, you know, try and educate myself in 
putting lines down on paper and light sources and things like that. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> I sort of found I found the, the work of Graham Humphreys through through the video store when I was really young as well. Yeah, he's an artist I really love. And he's still working today. He's a great guy as well. Um, but I, I used to draw, the, the, especially his Nightmare on Street 2 and his Return of the Living Dead posters. I used to draw and redraw. And he, at school, when I was meant to be doing maths, I had the little video magazine out, back of the textbook, drawing Freddy Krueger. Yeah. So, Hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was kind of how it all started with me. Yeah, it was it was getting the attention, and you know, it was a good in with kids as well, making friends at school. I was the weird kid that drew horrible things, you know. <laughs> and I still, am. and I'm the weird old fellow that draws horrible things. <laughs> so, speaking of school, uh, are both of you schooled uh, in the arts, like high school and college, and gotten degrees in, or man, uh, um, yes, yeah. So I I have a bachelor's in fine arts and humanities but in uh i swear in in high school they just would not let me take art classes <laughs> like it's like i had the if i wanted like any technicals or honors or anything to graduate with like they just would not like they're like well you don't have room for these extracurriculars so i wasn't allowed to like really i think i got like two in my senior year after i had done everything um hmm. else that i could have possibly done towards a diploma um, so they uh finally let me take like two things back to back and then i figured out that the arts department at my high school actually wasn't very good it was just kind of one of those like throw kids in here that don't want to do anything <laughs> kinds of yeah. it was almost like a homeroom instead of like an art class so we really do jack shit but well, i feel like art shouldn't be elective like it should be yeah, like yeah, right. it should be a course that required if it, if, it <laughs> if it wasn't considered something that should be an elective especially in like the rural midwest <laughs> um I, I think that there would be a lot more um cultivating uh you know like focus and building skill um yeah and just it wouldn't just be some remedial like room where people sit for an hour you know yeah and doodle <laughs> yeah it, it was like, always so Seen as a bit of a dodge when I was at school, you know, all, all the kids when they went to their art class, they they just do nothing, toss mm-hmm. them out for an hour, and and they wouldn't it wouldn't really be encouraged very much by the teachers. And I mean, we had one or two good teachers that would encourage me, especially, um, but they, even the teachers knew that the kids there weren't interested. You know, yeah, so, I think it is seen as a bit of a dodge at school, which is why art's not valued. You know, when you grow out of that and you grow up and go out into the real world um there's a lot of that undervaluing of art as a skill and i think it stems from school it stems from it being seen as a bit of a dodge that's pretty sad too because it's such a universal thing to uh mm. humans <laughs> just yeah. being a human Everyone. like the ability to make art <laughs> like the ability to create in that way you know yeah so- yeah so do either of you um, dig in uh, any format besides horror just uh, for practice or do you strictly draw horror? Um, for, my, for myself, it's uh, pretty much 100% horror <laughs> these days. Yeah, it's yeah about, I, uh, I'll occasionally make a portrait or something, but yeah, it's pretty much. I've, I've done some stuff uh, just for the sake of like trying to mimic or learn like a technical aspect 
of a piece um but typically i find a way to make it fit within like a darker subject matter like even if it's a portrait piece like i i feel like i will naturally um still try to assign something darker to it um just with the final product uh but mm -hmm. i uh it's a lot it's a lot of different things um for me that kind of like hodgepodge into the full body of work but like horror media is like if I had to break it down, like simply, I think horror media is like one half of it. And then like mental health is the other half of it. So like meshing that kind of stuff. It's like a beautiful rainbow, but it's bleeding. It's like raining blood. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorrow and existential dread. <laughs> Blackness. <laughs> um, yeah. What are some other artists that have inspired you? Um, I'd, I'd say personally, like, as I said, growing up, Graham Humphreys, definitely. Um, but then when I went to art college, I was really big in, uh, I was big on pop art, actually. I got into a lot of the darker stuff, like Francis Bacon, you know, yeah. the traditional stuff. But yeah, um, I, was, I was big on pop art, which you wouldn't really connect the two now. <laughs> um, yeah, just that sort of, the, I guess the sort of collage and the poppy like colors. Fairy the, or... Shepherd Ferry. Yeah. He's yeah. uh he, he did obey, I think, right? That's the Shepherd Ferries, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I was more uh Lichtenstein. Um, oh, okay. big, um because he, he took that comic comic book thing and made it, you mm. know, art, you know, an art gallery canvas. Um so that that got me into pop art and then you know I was, I was really into the 60s psychedelic music scene so i got into the warhol factory thing and um but i wouldn't say warhol was a big influence on me um so it was pop art and then and then hand in hand with that 60s psychedelic scene it's the old art nouveau um you know gustav klimt and mucca egon Schiele, that, that kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think I try and sort of still weave in a little bit of that 60s psychedelic thing with the, with the horror art that I do now. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's probably a lot too bright and poppy for the subject matter. Right. You know, Sil Silas, Silas goes dark. He's good at the dark stuff. <laughs> I, think, I think my stuff's probably a bit too poppy and bright. I wouldn't um, say that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think that um, specifically the the interesting um, color palette choices and uses of color that you do are something that definitely adds to them. I, I think it really makes them stand out amongst just, you know, like you're always like living in the modern era, you're always like inundated with incoming like visual imagery like all day long. Um, so well, when immediately you have, it draws your eye. Yeah, with the yeah, color yeah. palette, and so you, then you're, and then you're like, you see it first, you're like, oh, that's really, and they're like, oh wait, that's really fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think it's definitely a plus. Um, but for artists that I was really inspired by, like I, um, it was kind of cool you listing a lot of those people because those were um, artists that I remember um, learning pretty extensively about 
in school. Um, but I, I, when it came to the things that were like inspiring what I was doing or informing what I was doing, I was, um, looking a lot more at the, uh, commercial level in a lot of like really, really contemporary stuff. And then I, I like a lot of like underground and outsider art as well, but, um, in terms of like names that people would know, like, I, I think Francis Bacon was, was an early thing, uh, for me, I, I, I got into Francis Bacon, but, but I, I, the more I learn about him, um, it's less about the, uh, the cultural or socio-political subtext of the stuff that he was creating. Um, and it's way more about him as a personality, um, his struggles with mental health, um, his, ob- obviously his approach to art and the style that he used um and i think that's what a lot of people glean from it nowadays now that it's kind of removed from the original context uh that he existed within um which is fine you know i mean what what else can we 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 can't relate to (laughs) what he was painting about really um but uh in terms of newer artists uh I remember just being really, really, really infatuated with the uh, Goosebumps cover arts as a kid by uh, Tim Jacobus. Like I remember uh, that, you know, it, it's really great too because it's such a product of its time, but they still, they're still super cool. I mean, they still hold up. Um, but that airbrush style, like like the fact that there are all these like huge canvas pieces that are like airbrushed, um, it's just, there's something so special and so specific about that uh especially with the 90s uh like mm-hmm. paperback and pulp art i just i love that kind of stuff a lot um i always used when i was younger and i didn't have like ways to kind of reach out with the internet and find reviews of anything i want to check out now like i can as an adult and in you know current times i uh would always gravitate towards just using my eye to pick out stuff that I wanted to check out. So it was, it wasn't so much Mm -hmm. about like gravitating towards specific artists so much as it was like singling out cover arts that really, really just like clicked something for me. So, so I would like pick those up and check those out first and foremost. Yeah, totally get that. Yeah, the goosebumps, and then also the like my uh, more scary stories or scary stories. I remember those illustrations as yeah. kids, just like yeah, Stephen was standing out, like oh, such crazy. Sorry, especially as a kid. Blanking. He he's definitely an awesome influence uh, for me, Stephen Gamble, um, and also uh, Edward Gorey. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh man, <laughs> just yeah. I mean, those are pretty common in terms of like illustrators from that time but there were a lot of mainstream ones that got you know the to household name status so the, no, there's there's yeah. that one german uh guy i forget his name but he did those uh, weird like uh weird rhymes to basically kids you know if they did certain things they'd hurt themselves like cry yeah. too much their eyes would fall out and, you know like <laughs> but fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like to read <laughs> when I was mm. five. <laughs> right. I think they, I used to gravitate a lot of those uh, horror novels that you'd get in the school libraries because of the cover art initially. Yeah. I remember a really great one of uh, 
it was a book of collected stories. I can't even remember who who published it, but the, the cover was uh, an egg which had been cracked open and an eyeball which had spilled out of it with blood. That, that really resonated. I've got to get that. I'm reading that. I love that. I, I love especially yeah. things that have just like this weird, like dark surrealist approach to them where they're yeah. not even yeah, representative yeah. of anything in the book, <clears throat> especially with those like collected story books. They were always just like, just make something weird and provocative that's going to make a kid pick it up. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> make, make sure it doesn't relate to any of the stories that are in there. <laughs> yeah. It just has to be vaguely scary, <laughs> just vaguely spooky imagery. Yeah. In those weird, like little Jehovah Witness comics, where you know, kind of freaky and scary and like fun reads. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I collect shit like that. <laughs> I love them. I yeah, like everything. So like, my friend fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I have another friend, and every time we find any like uh, religious leaflets and stuff like hidden around our town like oh they're great. such a treat because they always have artwork in them and i'm always like yeah. man like i would love to hear an interview with one of these guys like i want to hear what they're all about you know yeah billy <laughs> slept down now he's going to hell like, <laughs> writing like <laughs> propaganda comics to tell kids they're going to hell yeah yeah that's so great <laughs> <laughs> we never we never got anything that cool in the uk <laughs> we just got the watch, watchtower leaflets that was it oh really yeah yeah um so what's your usual go-to medium um what do you usually well, paint with well personally I, I i'm pretty much 100 percent digital now um, I, I stiff-armed it for years. I wouldn't go digital at all. I thought it was selling out. But, but now I, I really struggle to put pen to paper. Um, I find that I'm double-tapping the paper to try and delete what I've just <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, before that, I was just... Um, I'd, I'd only work in black and white pen and ink because um, I couldn't paint. Um, I've taught myself to paint on the iPad. It was so much easier. Um, but yeah, I just I could never handle oil paints or acrylics or anything mm. like that. Um, and before that, I, I I couldn't. When I first started out, I couldn't afford technical pens, so I just used to draw with uh, biros, black biros, writing pens. Uh, and that's how I started off. I just writing pens on paper. And then I started getting noticed. It's kind of had a punk aesthetic to it, so mm -hmm. people seem to like it. But yeah, now now I've just purely iPad Procreate. It's great. I've been getting into uh, Procreate a lot more uh, recently, which is really really nice now that I've got kind of a handle on how to use it properly mm. and obviously I mean like I don't, I don't know a, a ton but like I'm just getting to the point where I can knock things out a lot quicker and it's not so much trial and error and troubleshooting and stopping to watch a tutorial or something now so that's really nice and convenient but um I uh I prefer traditional art whenever the person I'm doing a commission for is okay with it. Um, just, just because I think that, uh, it provides a lot more of an outlet, um, for me 
emotionally I notice when it's something more tactile like that. Like I think it just does mm-hmm. a lot for me to create a piece that way, especially with the uh, not being able to take a mark back. Like, <laughs> like, like uh, I, I just be, I find myself being a lot more intentional um, with mark making and, and creating pieces. If I'm using like pens and markers or paint or something like that, where I just, I know, you know, like once it's there, it's there and I just have to work around it. And that's a, that's a lot of fun um, to create pieces like that. And I think it's a, it's really great when uh, you run into creators that specifically want you to do that. Um, like I had a commission not that long ago and I had just moved into my new house and all of my uh, traditional supplies were still packed away in boxes. I hadn't started setting up my office space or anything yet. Um, and I had to create a commission for somebody by the end of the month. And uh I didn't know, I didn't think that they would honestly give a shit, like, <laughs> either way, like, what, what medium I chose, and then uh, I uh, told them, well, I was originally going to do this traditionally, but um, all my stuff's packed away, and I know I need to get this done quickly, so I might just go ahead and do it this way, and they were like, well, I could do it digitally, you know, like, I have a graphic design degree, I could do it digitally, like, I, I want, like, artwork, like, you know, like, I want traditional art, and I was like, cool and that that's that's actually awesome because i only said that because i didn't think you would give a shit either way so so like the fact that i got asked to do it traditionally then i was like super jazzed about the piece you know like Mm -hmm. i was super excited about it um and i think it came out a lot better for it um so that was cool but in terms of traditional mediums i i really like any anything and everything um that i've used so far i feel like i'm still really really experimental in in that sense where like sometimes I'll just switch it up just because I want to see what happens if I do something that I'm not comfortable with and then I can usually tell like pretty early on if the piece is if I'm like losing control of it and if it seems like really shitty then I'm just like well I can just start on a new page and try Mm -hmm. something right until so I've got I've got plenty of um pages from traditionally created projects where there's something that's like a quarter of the initial drawing is done and then I just moved to another page and restarted because I wanted to make sure that I uh, felt right about it going forward before I like color it in and then decide like this finished piece looks like shit (laughs) you know so yeah but I like I like everything I just I've really enjoyed like any medium I've messed with for all kinds of different reasons depending on like the mood or tone of the piece you know yeah, especially when you can kind of like mix mediums and, and be able to be good at that. And so, yeah, mixed yeah. media is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I love mixing different things together and doing like technical pen outline work and then like stipple dotting the entire thing with alcohol markers or something because <laughs> mm-hmm. it really gives it a really, really unique look once everything has a few hours to like set in and settle down. Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah there's definitely more of a connection when you're doing physical art like that for sure there's more of a sort of osmosis with it because you're you know you're naturally stirring up molecules by putting paint to paper or feels a lot more organic yeah 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 you're literally changing the universe around you by doing (laughs) whereas there's a massive disconnect to doing it on the ipad 
Yeah. 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 I can I imagine. If, if it weren't so, it felt like, you know, actually using a pen on paper, then I tried a Wacom tablet before that and doing it that way. And there was too much of a disconnect between my brain, my arm, and the screen. You know, I could, just couldn't do it that way. Yeah. And yeah. I actually have a Wacom tablet that I specifically preferred for a long time because I had so much trouble feeling a connection when I was creating a digital piece. Um, and I used it for a long time because of that. And it had all these different uh, style nibs to put on the end to get like a specific mm. texture or feel mm. that you wanted. And it was so great. Um, and then now, which I mean, I think it's a good thing for the sake of being versatile with like what I'm able to do if someone asks. Um, now I just don't give a shit. <laughs> like I, I noticed that it's so much easier now. <laughs> to uh, just make something directly on the iPad. And uh, I just, even though it's so slippy slidey and it's not nearly anything like, you know, the, the same process as traditional, like I just, it's whatever. Like <laughs> sometimes it's what you think someone wants or is going to ask for. So I'm like uh, this past year specifically too, I've been trying to really tell myself like, yeah, you can have a focus in traditional art, but just know how to do the other stuff too you need to make yourself more comfortable with this <laughs> like so that you right. can still use it when you need to you know mm. don't stagnate <laughs> stagnation is death <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> do you find because i i find if i don't do any art for a few days i, I just i can't get motivated to start again so i, I just don't stop i just keep going yeah, I, I overthink um, the creative process really, really, really bad. Uh, well, well, I have gone through um, a lot of like really long stage art blocks before. And I remember um, I was actually in the middle of one that I was having a really hard time getting out of when um, I originally saw Sam Hell post a story asking if it there was anybody watching that was interested in doing art for a project and I literally messaged him about that piece which turned into uh, the artwork for the odd world of Felicia Fisher and that was the first commercial piece I had done for a movie ever um, but I asked for that because I knew if I was making something for another person and there, there was a deadline attached to it or an expectation attached to it, then I would actually make something <laughs> because otherwise, like I just could not make myself create, like I just could not make myself make art. And um, that was really, really what I needed was to find like an open call so I could force myself to do something. Mm, yeah, no, I completely get that. Um... If if I find I go through stages where I've, I've not got any work lined up, I'll I'll go and look for call outs or you know competitions or something just to just to keep the juices flowing. Yeah. <laughs> Put into you, Silas. Uh, yeah. For me, it was the the Odd World piece, the Odd World of Felicia Fisher. Um. Well, that was my first one for a film I had done like just a little bit of commission work uh just really minor stuff for friends and close contacts um before that but nothing that ever made it to like a commercially available like product or item so that mm -hmm. was the first one like that so that was awesome and what about you Martin Oh, sorry, it dropped out a little bit in my end then, it's froze. Um, 
Yeah, so my, my first commission, it would have been from, from Jörg, Putzgelites. Um, it would have been the uh, VHS cover for the making of Shram. Because um, he was, I think he was just finishing off the post-production on Shram when I first met him. Um, so yeah, he hired me to do that cover and then off the back of that, he then hired me to do the uh, official T-shirt design for Shram. So it was a pretty good, pretty good start. I'd say. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you done any gallery work or like had anything in galleries? I, uh, I had a um, gallery show for my uh, senior year of school um we had a program it was called like senior capstone and um typically it would be a class that had like six to eight uh students in it at any given time and they would all be like senior art students and um there is in in my town in indiana the college had um a separate gallery space that was numbered like a classroom but it was just it wasn't on campus it was downtown in our um, city and they had like renovated it and turned it into a small gallery so for the art students at the end of the year to make the best use of space since we don't have a ton on campus uh those students would exhibit in that gallery space but for me it was only me and one other student the uh, semester that I was in my senior capstone there were literally just the two of us so we were able to do hours on campus because there's um a, a hallway in the main building called Meyer Artway and it had um they usually just have a, a just running gallery shows of some kind there all year round um just simple like 2d works they can hang on the wall just to like essentially decorate and spread art you know and it's really cool um but uh i already knew from the get-go that my thing was going to be uh really fucked up so so my project was called slasher um and it was about a uh it was it was a uh, like a found object interactive uh horror installation about a uh mentally deficient serial killer in the rural midwest who is absolutely obsessed with horror media and slasher films and um ends up becoming this uh serial killer um and journaling uh the stuff that he's doing and and writing and drawing pictures of things that he's doing um to victims and then eventually finds a camcorder in the belongings of one of the victims that he kills and then starts recording things and I made like this little found footage horror film uh video installation thing to go with the exhibit and then um had it playing on a CRT on like a VHS copy that I made of it uh for the duration of the show while it was up and so this is a senior capstone it was up for like three or four months <laughs> in this this installation like I had these um concrete tiles that had like fake like latex skin stuck to them and and some of them had like 
fake tattoos that I had drawn uh, like on the skin and, oh, and and there would be like labels next to them like like one that would be like pretty girl and then like an arrow to like like a mandala flower on a piece of skin stuck on a tile you know like like a two dollar fucking concrete tile um and then uh, I made a bunch of like really crude uh artwork on uh just planks of wood that I found um and like wood panels and then would like staple gun and nail um pieces of like canvas that I had drawn on and drawn with like fake blood or whatever and these like fucked up pieces of like serial killer art that you would see in like the set design of a movie or something like that you know I was just trying to make something that was really heavily inspired by um horror cinema and specifically um kind of branching off of my love for older like golden age uh slasher films and then also some of the um extreme underground and and some like of the torture porn category but a lot of that's kind of bloated and shitty but <laughs> but but there are um, a few entries that that influence that but uh I remember one thing that really, really influenced the uh, the aesthetic for that exhibit, and it would it probably help for most people that would listen to this get into the headspace of what this looked like or whatever. I, I had uh, already had the plan for this project, and then uh, to kind of get the juices flowing, my partner at the time and I um, went to Horror Hound because there was one near us, um, and I really, really wanted to like just be in like the creative mindset with like horror stuff in mind to be able to do this project and then um I picked up a copy of Headless <laughs> and then I went back home and watched Headless and I was genuinely like taken aback by how fucked up it was because I hadn't watched an extreme film for a while and then I uh I checked that out and I was like man that's like exactly what I want to do with this project you know like I wanted to feel that grimy and nasty and uh I made all these nasty latex masks and like uh, masks made out of uh, like aluminum foil and masking tape and then crudely painted over. And um, I took a bunch of really fucked up and scary like cryptic Polaroid photos and I um, like strung them up on the walls and hung the masks on the walls and uh, had specific instructions that went with the installation to the side that told people they were allowed to interact with everything in it. Like I wanted people to touch everything and and pick up everything and interact with the space um, and feel gross while doing it. And and I, I, and I put, um, I had this like plastic garbagey bin uh, full of uh, a bunch of trash, like literally trash I had accumulated from art supplies and stuff I was gathering to like make this space um but I I I took out anything that would be too like specifically art products and and made it just look like a bunch of fucking garbage and um I also put these these uh plastic uh like shopping bags in there with um I had gotten wigs and I had made fake scalps and adhered the scalps inside of the wigs and then just <laughs> covered them in fucking gore and put them in these shopping bags and then sprayed the inside of the shopping bags with like this jokey joke store like fake fart spray I found like on the because <laughs> I just wanted them to smell awful and, and so then I like shut it in this bin and you couldn't smell it just when you were in the hallway because I didn't want it to be like 
something that would get yeah, complained yeah. about and get my my yeah. stuff taken down but if somebody was curious enough to open the bin they would see like the bloody scalps and bags and just smell something bad like something rancid <laughs> that's um, funny and uh i never heard any negative comments about it i actually got a lot of praise from my uh, mentor and professor oh uh, so creative <laughs> no it was it was awesome she told me it was gutsy and honest and and i uh, uh, gutsy <laughs> Yeah, I, I was I was super into that. I was like, hell yeah, it was. <laughs> like I was like, I, I, I didn't water that down at all. I made that as fucked up as I could. I wanted to have someone tell me no, you know, like <laughs> yeah. But nobody did. Nobody told me no. I splattered fake blood all over the wall. Like, like, and they left it up for three months in the main building. It was fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, no, I, and, and then the the gallery tech who I, I still talk to sometimes on Instagram, uh, he's a super cool guy and he's an artist too um, on the faculty staff. Like they have faculty art shows. It's so awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Even people that aren't in the arts department like submit art to it. It's super cool. Um, but he uh, he was like reminiscing on it with me not that long ago and it was like, yeah, it was a super cool time and it was really tense. Like, it's like, so I guess people were making comments, but only like to him and like the other people associated with like literally like the gallery hallway and managing it and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I'd be curious to hear some of what those were now because I think I would get a kick out of it. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, Martin? What about you in gallery work? Yeah, yeah. Um... Not, not much of it horror-related, though. I think the last exhibition I was included in, um, a friend of mine in Barcelona, uh, who's an artist, uh, Ismail Delage, he goes by, he, he did a, a, a really big uh, queer art show there. And um, I think I was the only straight guy invited to be in it, but I was pretty honoured that he asked me. <laughs> so I, I, did a, I did a piece based on the Necromantic 2 cover art, because that's, we kind of met through Necromantic um and and yeah that that exhibited in barcelona and then i think the same year i had some comic book art exhibited um in the states i can't remember exactly where in the states it was and then before that when i first moved to canberra in australia i was included in a a gallery show here um which was all based on the the theme of some medieval story uh, we all got a page each to do in this book and then they exhibited it as a an exhibition um, but other than that I think the the first gallery thing I would have done we we weren't exhibiting but we were invited to um, uh, sort of hold a workshop within York Art Gallery in the UK which is a, a huge art gallery and I, I used to run a community arts project with a friend of mine called the Doodle Manifesto we'd, we'd just get people to to sort of come and try art, almost art therapy, basically. Um, because a lot of people don't want to try art because they don't know where to start and there's nothing more daunting than looking at a blank piece of paper. So what we do is we'd, we'd have six or seven pieces um, that we'd all start on and then we'd pass around the group, whoever had turned up. So we used to do this in, in pubs and bars and things, but then we sort of, somehow they allowed us to, to do it in York Art Gallery. <laughs> they didn't let us near any of the old brown paintings, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> we might have ruined the play. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. So, yeah, but not, nothing really has, has uh, 
cooler silences. There's a lot of stuff about it that was pretty amateurish. Yeah. Oh, if I could have got away with splashing blood on the walls of York Art Gallery, that would have been awesome. I would have made the news. So you're both being, um, it seems like you're both big fans of the movie you found. Um, like what in that movie uh, do you find inspirational and what is it about that film you, you find that is so good? Man, I'll let Martin do it. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that movie for me is, is my top independent art um, horror movie ever. Um, as, especially as a, you know, the first outing for Scott, it's, it's unreal and it, and it won so many accolades as well. Um, I mean, that, that opening line in the movie is, is one of the best opening lines in any movie. Um, mm-hmm. like my, my brother keeps a human head in the closet. Oh, that's, that's a grabber from the get-go, that one. Um, and, I mean, people complain about the acting in it, but it's, it's an independent movie. You know, it's not going to be top-notch actors in there. And I thought everybody in there did a great job, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially the young boys. They did fantastic. They'd never acted before. Um, but the, the story is, is really compelling. It, it goes places you don't expect. By, by the time the film ends, I mean, the first time I watched it, it, it was the first time in a long time I found myself watching a movie and not realising how long I'd been holding my breath by the end of it. Uh-huh. Just the way it ramps up at the end, that whole... <laughs> The whole massacre and then the, the scene of yeah i don't want to spoil it for anyone um but yeah I, that that blew me away like no other film i had in a long time so much so that i i just i got in touch with scott Shermer immediately and and uh luckily i found out that he was he was doing the crowdfunding for headless at that time as well mm. so i uh I managed to bother him enough to, to to get on board with doing some artwork and promotional <laughs> material for that and he included my face in it as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a scene in uh, Vic's Roller Rink, the Employees of the Month poster. He's, he's, got, he's got my mugshot on that. Mm-hmm. Are you serious? I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, <laughs> no, I need to rewatch it. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, well, that was a, so cool. Yeah. And I actually own... Um, I can probably grab it to show you on here, actually. I, I own Marty's sketchbook from Found. Oh, that's cool. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm actually about to... Uh, um, Scott Shermer agreed to an interview, which I'm stoked for, so I'm going to have yeah. an interview with him soon. Which uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I just got that today. I was like, oh, yeah. I haven't set up a date yet, but it'll be sometime soon, probably in April. But... Fingers crossed. Oh, no, it's <laughs> happening. It's happening. He already agreed. So uh, <laughs> it's super cool. Um, it's exciting. It's such a weird and really cool uh, connective thing, especially that uh, Martin, that you're willing to put it, you know, that high for you as being like a favorite piece of independent film. Um, uh, found was so. So first, the the preface. I uh, I work as a uh, librarian. Um, as my day job 
uh, and uh, I've been in a bunch of different departments at my library, but the one I started out in was the audiovisual department because it felt I had a really good friend uh, who had been a, a best friend of mine since uh, like the beginning of middle school um, who worked there in that department. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever because it was like the closest we could get to like a video store. Um, like we had, we had video, we had family video, but they were starting to like, they were definitely on the decline and it was very obvious then. Um, but uh, also this place, you know, at the library, we, we, carried a bunch a bunch of stuff because the selector for the audiovisual department was super super well versed in film um and he was one of my favorite bosses i ever had um he uh he just he cultivated a really really great collection of stuff including some like niche or strange bizarro cinema and like underground horror and stuff like that but um it wasn't ever skewed too far in any one direction like he just had such a great collection of film in our department and I thought it was the coolest thing um it was so intentional and um one thing that he was sure to show me because he knew how in the horror I was when I first got on staff there was found um and I was also really blown away by it like I thought it was such a cool movie and it, it was so um high concept and so uh compelling for the scope that it was created in you know like like for um the budget and the constraints that were put on that film um I just think it pulled off so much and so well um and I was <laughs> I, I immediately started to look into it further and uh one I think it's it's super cool that it was an adaptation from kind of like a like a splatterpunk story um mm -hmm. And, and that, that was super cool to me because I really love, um, in terms of like the kinds of books I like that make me interested in the library world, it's always been like pulp horror novels and then like weird underground bullshit, <laughs> you know? Um, and so when I figured out, when I traced, found back to being like this cool, like splatterpunk adaptation, kind of splatter, it's just more like kind of like extreme horror story thing, you know? Um, I thought that was so awesome. Um, and then, uh, I have had just all these weird little connections <laughs> that have cropped up with it ever since then. Like, like when Headless came out, I had totally missed out on the campaign for it because by the time I saw Found, I think Headless had like just came out. Um, and then uh, right before that senior project, I went the Horror Hound and then just so happened to see a big booth um, that was promoting Headless and I had like a shit ton of copies and I was like, that's the movie that was in found and, and like I didn't know about headless at this point I just saw it organically at this booth and I was like that's the movie from found because I watched that not that long ago and I remember that and I remember that mask um and so I picked that up and then it became such a big aesthetic influence um that I started to collect really heavily for found and headless um mm -hmm. whatever I could get my hands on and then I remember um at one point Scott was throwing like a few extra copies of stuff they were finding left over from like the Indiegogo campaigns or whatever um, onto his web store. And I was paying really close attention to those posts because I wanted to grab what I could. Um, and I remember grabbing the, um, the like Indiegogo exclusive uh, Blu-ray release from the store. And I was so excited about grabbing it. Um, but it was like, 
all the spending money I had for like buying media or anything frivolous on that paycheck. And then the next day that the big box VHS got put on there and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I missed out. Like I bought the wrong one, <laughs> you know, cause I was, I was, I was so much more into that from the sake, for the sake of like a shelf piece. Like it's just so cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I told my partner at the time, I was like, hey, listen, like it's getting close to the holidays. Uh, I know it's like kind of far in advance. You don't have to get me anything else. If you want to like really get me something that I'm going to love and appreciate, will you please get this movie for me before it goes? Because it just got listed. I know it's going to sell like almost immediately because uh, people are already talking about it on Facebook. <laughs> and um, she, uh, she told me uh, like 10 minutes later, I got a text back and I was at work when I saw it got posted. Um, and she was like, it was already sold out when I went to the page and I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know, it's whatever. And then um, Christmas rolls around and she handed me that fucking VHS because she tricked me and she told me that, she, that it wasn't available anymore and someone had already bought it and then it wasn't and she got it for me and it was awesome. And that was um, the first piece of, martin's artwork that i owned physically were the art cards that came with that big box vhs release of headless i remember Mm. being so enthralled with all the goodies that came out of this package when i opened it up and i was just so into it and that really kick-started me um on getting into in more indie cinema and more underground cinema and more Mm -hmm. extreme cinema and uh, i actually used martin's artwork as like a starting off point to start spider webbing in different directions and finding stuff from other directors and creators within that uh, subculture and community um and so i was spending a lot of my evening shifts in like closing down the av department like i would just have hours of like hardly anything that was like active work it was just like desk jockey stuff for the later night shifts when it was like the last two hours before close so i spent so many evenings just going on to IMDb and watching trailers and then like going down all these different um, lists and rabbit holes on forums and learning about underground films um, and just taking the time to like get myself up to date and more well-versed on stuff because I used to be really into uh, weird niche horror stuff that I could find back when the video store carried anything worth a damn. Um, and I would always be able to sniff out those releases, but I'd been kind of out of it for a while because I got busy with college and school and stuff. And then this was something that really re-inspired me, you know, um, to get back into it. So, uh, so that's cool. That's all like a weird, super cool, like small world zeitgeisty bullshit kind of <laughs> like a hodgepodge connection of coolness there. Um, I love that but an even cooler thing that just happened just recently. So um, my one of my local friends is a tattoo artist and she has a pretty successful tattoo shop here in my town. And uh, she has an apprentice who is working under her right now who is moving to our area from Kentucky. Um, but she used to live in Bloomington and she used to be friends with Arthur Colifer. <laughs> and all of his friends and and she was involved in a bunch of these like what'd she call it atomic age cinema I think is what they called it and they had this like cool theater thing they would do where they would like rent out this space and they would show 
uh, old movies and kind of do like riff tracksy like mystery science theater shit over it and make it it was like a comedy night event and so they would also do these skits beforehand and like so Arthur and a bunch of people that worked on Headless and, and other stuff and worked with Scott and whatever were we're all friends with this girl who I'm now friends with just by this weird happenstance that she is the apprentice currently at this shop. Um, and so once she figured out that I was into that stuff, she was like, Hey, I have friends that worked on that movie. And I was like, what? Like, the, like you've already tattooed me and I had no idea you knew any of like, this would be a connection. Um, so yeah, so she used to be friends with Arthur and then they would, uh, she would be involved in some of the skits at these Atomic Age Cinema nights and like wear like gore effects and weird costumes and get on stage and do silly stuff with them. And um, I'm wearing a shirt that she designed like right now, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, because the shop is. And I'm wearing, I'm wearing this right now. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> his super cool collage, his serial killer collage. Yeah. Yeah. we're all wrapping some stuff <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that that just happened like very very recently I like found all that out and I was just like what are the chances you know like <laughs> it's just so weird that all this yeah. stuff is kind of like coming together in that way and also I live like a couple hours away from the Bloomington area where like found and headless were shot and like I I don't know Scott but like I'm friends with him on Facebook and I, I pay attention to his posts because I, I love his movies um but it's just so weird you know like I, I was I was also like really excited about the idea that really cool stuff like that was happening so close to where I was at and it, mm-hmm. it made me think like oh I should like get into this a little more and pursue something because it would be maybe worth it to do that and now look look at where we're at this is so crazy it's only been like <laughs> a, a few years <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy how quickly oh. things happen. Uh, I'll just flex it. Hell yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's so awesome. Marty's sketchbook. And it's still got some of the sketches that... Oh my apparently God. Shane Beasley did these sketches. Oh, yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Killer. There's a few pages of those in there still. And I and I asked um, I asked Scott because I remember seeing some of these pages torn out and burnt in one scene, and uh, it was pure uh, movie magic, photocopied paper apparently. <laughs> so these are the original sketch. Yeah, that's cool. Prize possession. So cool. Yeah. I'm also a Marty that loves to draw horror comics. <laughs> <laughs> So what is um what is some music that gets you uh, into painting or gets you in the mood? Um, <laughs> weirdly, I'm not into metal at all. Everybody assumes I'm metal because of the kind of work I do, but um, I, I'm into uh, like '60s psychedelia, and um, I, I was an indie kid. I was you know, Happy Mondays and Stone Roses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Recent recently, I've been listening to a lot of uh, band called the Cool Greenhouse and uh, the Sleaford Mods. So I, <laughs> the kind of music you wouldn't really expect me to be, you know, emoting so much blood and gore on the page while I'm listening to it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that uh, that gets me hyped up, I guess. <laughs> I remember uh, I would I would kind of start seeing. Um 
in between posts you make about artwork and, and films and stuff some of the posts you make about music um I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised uh, but or anything uh, but I just I thought it was cool I thought it was really neat because I was like oh yeah it takes all kinds you know <laughs> like the like it, it's uh, it's just wild to see um how like yeah there are like several like subcultures and things that sort of seem to intermesh and connect for a lot of people that are involved in uh niche art that has like the kind of aesthetic that these films would have but it's uh it's cool to see like the more you get to know people within the community just how varied their range of interests are and that this is just like one little facet of Mm. what they're into and then uh seeing the stuff that they're into that you have like no idea about you know (laughs) and that you don't even know very much about at all and getting to kind of get a new perspective into that and learn about that so I always thought that was really cool yeah I like the stuff that you post Mm -hmm. and it's stuff I don't know about at all so it's it's really it's really cool to have an entry point um i like uh all kinds of different um music all kinds of different genres and like i i I really mean that like sometimes i'll when i'm making work uh I, i i just switch around depending on the day like it's just a different mood all the time um and i uh tend to gravitate towards things that are uh more long play like stuff I can listen to for a longer amount of time without constantly having to like fiddle with a device and get out of Mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing um so a lot of times I get into just for the sake for workflows sake I get into like drone and ambient soundscape kind of stuff I can see you being into Godspeed Black Emperor (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um but uh (laughs) yeah like weird weird shoegazy shit um or like funeral doom and 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 like black metal and atmospheric black metal because it's Mm -hmm. it's the tracks are like 18 minutes a fucking piece so it's it's like i could i can put on one of those records and have like two and a half hours of work time like like without touching anything um but like that's that's actually what I what I think ends up influencing it more than uh, the actual genre or whatever is being connoted by the piece. Like sometimes it is that. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to be in this mood, so I'll listen to like this kind of music. But uh, a lot of the time, when it's just like I want to get some hours in on this tonight, I just put on something that I can kind of like lose myself in in the background that'll help me keep myself stimulated with what's in front of me. So. Mm-hmm. Do you find that any music that inspires you to do any certain pieces? Like you hear an, um, like a certain song, you're like, wow, that, like, I, like I'm just imagining some brutal piece. Uh, so it was really cool. Um, back when uh, Sam released his documentary, I Cut Your Flesh, um, I, before that came out, had been like really jazzed on this uh newer like really weird like super uh kind of like thrashy grindy um band but they're like uh kind of like almost like a extreme like very fast hardcore um called a mouth breather mm-hmm. and uh one of their songs is the opening like titles track for i cut your flesh and i had no idea that sam knew who this band was or anything mm-hmm. and um 
I remember just being so jazzed about it, like on mail day when I when I got this thing in the mail and I sat down to watch it and then that played and I was like, this is so cool. I, I like I just got into this band like two months ago and I've been like really in love with their discography, but like uh, it really connoted exactly the kind of feeling I would try to channel into um, the love dump artwork when I got the mm-hmm. opportunity to make that because I wanted to make something that just felt really um really brutal but also really um quick and punchy and and uh, psychotic like <laughs> I guess like I, I was trying to channel something like uh really cerebral and really visceral with what I was doing on the page so I was listening to a lot of uh really high speed or intense stuff or lo- lots of really heavy music that had kind of connotations for that kind of set of emotions um and I was kind of using that as fuel to continue marking on the page because that's one of those pieces where I uh, just kind of stippled with alcohol markers until it was filled in. And so I just mm-hmm. like dotted and dotted and dotted and dotted and just like kind of went with the uh, tempo of the music until it was done. And also uh, I had uh, <laughs> my, uh, my ex partner who I'm still uh, best friends with um she and her now current partner um her current partner lives in LA and they both live in LA now but she had they had sent us um edibles like like dispensary edibles <laughs> like gummies and stuff um, so they were like super strong and I, I i there's some good weed around here but it's usually like skunk weed and it's shitty <laughs> it's like i just take what i can get kind of a thing and so i remember uh my roommate offering me um a gummy and i was like yeah okay whatever like i'm gonna be up all night working on this piece anyway um and so i took it and it got me way too high and 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 i i felt i felt like and i i I don't think this is really a thing but if if it if it was (laughs) possible i think i was close to feeling like i was in a marijuana psychosis because i was just like really really like like hyper anxious and was like I have to do a thing and I have to do it repetitively and I have to do it right now and it ended up being really great for channeling it into that piece but it didn't feel good while I was doing it mm-hmm. and then uh I, I really I'm very careful with stuff like that now <laughs> but I remember it ended up being kind of like a like a really fucked up version of like a Bob Ross happy accident because it mm-hmm. ended up making that piece exactly what I wanted it to feel like so the final product was a lot better, I think, for uh, the suffering I went through from my stupid bad high. <laughs> Very tridenty uh, drawings on psychedelics. No, <laughs> and I'm actually pretty terrified <laughs> of uh, psychedelics because my uh, my late father um, was he took a lot of acid <laughs> when he was younger, and uh, I, I I'm just really careful with uh, that kind of stuff in general because he actually. Uh, succumb to substance abuse issues um and so i'm i'm very like i actually didn't even smoke pot for the first time until i was like 21 i think <laughs> and um i uh i just you know like I'm, I'm very careful with like setting boundaries for myself with a lot of that stuff and uh i think it's super easy with um especially with art and subculture to um infuse drug culture into it and start going down a pathway with that and uh i just anybody i know that's dabbled with psychedelics like 
sometimes even the first time it just seems like they're never exactly the same afterwards and Mm -hmm. it's not as as easy of an answer as saying like it's uh like it's a good or a bad thing it's just a noticeable difference and that it's kind of a scary thing to to think about the the that i I would probably try uh psilocybin like mushrooms or something because that Mm -hmm. seems pretty innocuous and not like a big deal but like anything harder than that I, i have no interest in just because of the addiction issues that I've seen rampant in my community and also my family because we live like in a hotbed for like a really really bad um, heroin epidemic and like the opioid epidemic Um, it's really really bad in my area specifically and I mean I I think it's just in the U.S. in general now pretty much Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah so so I'm pretty cut and dry with it but I like weed. (laughs) What about you Martin? Are you dabbled with drugs and drawing yeah yeah back back at art college it was yeah it was lsd pretty much mushrooms um Mm -hmm. and yeah it it was sort of part and parcel of being at art college where i was you know you've got to smoke weed and you've got to try acid um but we used to um get creative with it though we we, you know told ourselves we were doing it for the right reasons and (laughs) that (laughs) Start with pens and paper and good music. And yeah, we opened up a few doors and (laughs) drew a lot of stuff that made no sense afterwards. Um, But yeah, no, I think if I did it these days, it'd probably kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't couldn't imagine doing it now. Um, But back then it was, yeah, it, it, it sort of, I became aware of other avenues of thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know when, when you're doing that sort of thing and you can see colors and um i mean see the colors of sounds i should say yeah <laughs> things like that when you sort of put in lines on paper you get that feeling of uh you know what it must have been like as a a toddler watching somebody um start to slowly make a face out of a line and mm-hmm. you know that sort of awe and wonder of wow that you've created something real there you know so it, it taps into that sort of primal, um, yeah. But I, 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 yeah, there's no way I'd do it anymore. No, I get what you mean by like threshold. I definitely don't think I can do. Like I used to do a lot of psychedelics. I'm not gonna lie, but then I, it kind of, I kind of ruined myself with my own threshold by accidentally doing like 50 hits of acid. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like half a mile. Yeah, I just, I, I, it's one of those things like you don't realize until you're there and then once you pass that threshold there's like there's you know you just have to kind of push through <laughs> um yeah right. but i i almost thought i was gonna be a, like an entirely different person like where i wasn't gonna recover for a bit <laughs> right right i see well, right. I think, uh, <laughs> something that's also held me back is that i don't i just don't have any like close personal friends who i i who have any interest in that kind of stuff and I feel like if I were going to delve any further I would want it to be with somebody that I really trust to uh, supervise because I I especially with like mental health issues that I deal with and like being on um, SSRIs and stuff uh, I always hear that psychedelics can really fuck you up and give you a super bad high um, a really bad trip like initially Mm -hmm. if your brain is uh, attuned to 
SSRIs, or if you are yeah. even on the depressive spectrum in, in any like really well, this is with your serotonin levels. And if you if your serotonin is already at a low and then you go on a high and then it drops low, like lower than you're already low, then it goes to dangerous levels. Uh huh. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that um, for sure. Yeah, we actually there was somebody uh, local to me who. Um, he took like just a massive amount of uh lsd all at once because he was trying to kill himself <laughs> um and uh well, i don't think you can you mentally like, right yeah okay. i don't i don't really know. i think he just wanted to like just completely lose himself right yeah. so he was a. Uh, he was i think in a he was institutionalized for a little bit um and we actually didn't know if he was ever going to come out again um just because yeah. of how much he had done and uh he's out now but he's pretty wild <laughs> so yeah but then you've heard these or these people were like been taking too much and they've healed element you know, like these health problems they've had forever and all of a sudden they're cured because they you know took a massive amount of psychedelics i, I don't know yeah well and it's he like also that same guy also uh thinks that he's a uh, messiah and has a mm. facebook group for it so <laughs> nice that'll happen <laughs> <laughs> So has um, has your artwork gotten you in any trouble, uh, either of you? I guess Silas, sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> I uh, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was uh, I was inviting the controversy in, in my final <laughs> semester of college, but uh, uh, no nobody said anything to me. So <laughs> like, if they said anything to anybody, I just feel bad for whoever was on staff that had to hear it and then be like yeah but like we it's already up you know like um so too bad for them sorry sorry for any of those people uh <laughs> that, that heard complaints about that show but um i uh i really just haven't had any um major issues uh i i, th I think that uh i've had people kind of like sort of kind of get a little shitty in like public art groups but in like a really removed way where it wasn't like they were specifically directing a comment at me it was almost more just like a statement on how they think it's really fucked up that art like this floats around or exists or blah 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 but like the, even right. then it was on threads where multiple people were sharing so i don't i don't think that it was you know mm -hmm. a targeted thing yeah i can see that what about you Martin. No, no, it's, it's never actually got me in trouble. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I've offended people, but it's not got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I do keep like my, my art persona separate to my real life day-to-day -day thing. So, you know, I, people that I work with and, and you know, I, I don't sort of get into discussions about art. I sort of shy away from talking about it completely. Um, but I, I, I think for me, I have to compartmentalize like that to, to make my life work really. Um, so I, I guess if, you know, certain people that have known me a long time found out it could get me in trouble, but touch wood, it hasn't so far. Um, and luckily like everything I do is, is within 
um, a groups of like-minded people, really. So right, all and it's all paid work, commission work. So it's like, hey, I'm doing a job. So you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's that's always a good get out as well. You know, <laughs> I remember when uh, my, my I had my first art book out, and I'd, I'd not shown my stepmother any of it, and I I showed her the art book, and she sort of looked through it and said, um, "You're a twisted bugger, aren't you?" And, and that, was, <laughs> that was my answer. <laughs> It was a commission. I was just doing what I was asked. <laughs> I was following a brief. I told them I didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> they made me. They paid me money. <laughs> they doubled their offer. <laughs> I got exploited. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it, it's really interesting, though. Um, I think part of the reason that I don't see any uh, backlash from anybody is because I'm so surrounded by uh, all of the people that are into the same niches of art or into the same scene, you know, creatively. Uh, and I think that anytime, even if something seems like really like fucked up on the surface or whatever, I mean, it's all subjective at the end of the day. Um, but I think that, um, you run into instances where if there's like an established community and there's camaraderie and there's like positive commenting back and forth and stuff, suddenly it just seems a lot less like something worth shaking a stick at. Like people just move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of seems like when you see people getting in like massive amounts of like stirring the shit on social media and stuff, it's kind of an all or nothing uh, response. It's kind of... It, a lot of times it's almost like this like roving horde of people with pitchforks and torches like kind of scouring the internet for like a new thing to blow up and be mad about for a little bit <laughs> and, and deplatform or whatever or get a post deleted and then you uh you see them kind of like find a way to centralize on some random like small time creator and then it kind of just either they submit and delete the one post and then those people leave them alone forever or they uh get a bunch of new audience members and more popularity off of it (laughs) so at this point like i try to look for the silver linings and that stuff and i'm like yeah i mean like if somebody if people came for the stuff that i'm doing like i kind of feel like it's probably just gonna get me more followers in like a net way afterwards so whatever (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of the like, end of like the, I mean, it comes with like group questions, um, but I got some individual questions for you. Um, but uh, Silas, um, so I, you obviously worked with um, Sam Howell and uh, Broke House, um, but have you done any um, commission work for any other um, releases that are outside of um, Sam Howell? Yeah, so I am. Um... I'm just starting to branch out uh, in that way. And I've got three finished projects, um, but not for anything that's been announced, but I, or or like has specifically been shown for releases. So I don't want to say specifically what the title is, but I've done a piece for uh, Lucky Sarudi of Dead Vision Productions now. I've done a piece for Tony Masiello of SOB4.com. I've done it and I just finished a piece for... um, Indy Bazin or Bazin from Underworld Subroxa um, mm-hmm. for a release they're doing. And um, 
I've got other people uh, on the list for commissions. There's somebody um, who uh, a friend of mine locally who um, is still waiting. It's been like a year now. Uh, he wants me to do all the illustrations for this like dark uh, children's book that he wrote about a uh, cannibal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like in the style of a children's book, but it's like an adult you know, horror thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, he's been so patient with me and so kind to me. Like while I've had all this other stuff that's like a little more big ticket that I'm, I'm like. I, I gotta grab this while I have the opportunity to, you know. And he's like, "Yeah, no, take your time." So, so like, I've got, I've got a lot of um, low key stuff that's not film related um, on the back burner for other people. Uh, Travis Davis, who is a um, independent horror author, and I think, sorry, I think I just used his his Instagram name. I probably should have used his author name, which I I can't remember. Something Bateman. <laughs> um, but he uh, he has a couple lined up that he wants to do with me um, in the future, which will be really cool. Um, I'm really excited for that. Uh, I just got reached out to yesterday, last night, by um, the uh, guy from uh, Bones and Brews podcast mm-hmm. um, about doing artwork for him, and then being on his podcast next week, which was super cool um and super quick timing and and he had actually watched an ama thing i did on instagram uh, mm-hmm. where i was talking about some of those like pulp paperback uh artworks and showing off some of those books that i liked and stuff and so he he actually wants me to try and channel some like goosebumps influence into the artwork for his podcast and that's like super exciting for mm-hmm. me because i'm really excited to try something like that um yeah, it but, seems yeah. like there's a small little pop of uh, new podcasts popping up soon, like not, or just recently, and I'm stoked about it. You know, it's kind of cool to be uh, see a lot of that, especially in the Discord, like uh, that are all like being in support, and you know, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, and I'm really. Um, oh, I'm working on a um, zine with a uh, white gardenia with Daniel. Um, oh, cool. And uh, that's really cool. Uh, Renee Weisner actually uh, submitted some stuff for it, which is super cool. He was one of the first people to ask, um, which was, you know, just mind blowing for me. I thought that was super cool because he was like number two or three that responded when I made like an open call for submissions. Um, Sam has some stuff that's in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Daniel's releasing some stuff. I've got some new artwork that's going to be exclusive to that, but um it's not even specifically for like filmmakers or anything. It's just for uh, dark art or like outsider art regarding themes of uh, mental health or extremity. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I just happen to have a lot of mutuals and people that were interested in joining in. So that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stuff on the horizon. I just have to find the fucking time to do it right. <laughs> because I'm, I'm working mm. full time at my, day job and actually I I have a lot of like creative license kind of stuff that I do there because I do a lot of public programming and uh stuff like that but uh I'm getting way more inundated with things that are creative and within the Mm -hmm. wheelhouse of exactly what I want to be doing which is super awesome I've just never been this busy before that's yeah interesting 
and you don't want to overstack yourself because then you just get overwhelmed and you just don't want to yeah. work on any of it. You're like, <laughs> yeah, and I've already been in the psych ward. So like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go to the psych ward for all the wrong fucking reasons. Like, it's like I had too many prospects. <laughs> yeah. So I broke down. <laughs> We're from two projects to 100. And then I just don't. <laughs> so I blew my head off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what, uh, uh, I mean, I, what has been your best, um, like, favorite thing to work with so far? I mean, I know, um, sorry, I'm going to rephrase that question. Sorry. Um, I was trying to think. Because um, I was trying to get into kind of, like, best way of asking about somehow, but I know, like, um, with everything going on, and I'm trying not to get too much into things. So I guess more just, like, trying to bring in the concept of um, somehow and working with him and how how it was working with him and kind of like where you see that going and everything. Um, So Sam, I I really think uh, first and foremost, I'm really, really, um, I'm into what he does. Uh, I remember first seeing the uh, release trailers and and posts about uh, Red Tragedy and Spit. And I was mm-hmm. immediately uh, drawn to those films, ma- honestly, mainly because of the uh, the artwork that he created for them mm-hmm. with the uh, like the product design. I, I love the way his releases w- look. I love how um, professional and how overboard he'll go on like really, really designing releases, especially being that they were for um, short films. Like he was getting Mm -hmm. these like really nice, like press DVD releases for these short films that had like uh, inserts and posters and uh, just really, really great uh, design for the uh, cover arts he was creating. Um, And so when I looked into the films more and I started collecting them and getting into them and, watching stuff I was like oh man this is connoting a lot of stuff that I really am into um and specific niches of extreme cinema that I'm really interested in because I've always been interested in a uh, j-horror um growing up I, I just love love loved uh Japanese horror and a lot of uh, just Asian horror in general but especially Japan because they have a lot of really awesome uh like I, I'm not super into a lot of paranormal horror movies but I love like Japanese ghost movies like those are the ones I like a lot um and uh you know they're like cyberpunk and splatterpunk stuff and whatnot but um I remember one of the first things one of the first avenues I went down when I started to explore um extreme cinema and uh research it more was uh tumbling doll of flesh and I remember thinking with the uh, baroque house name I was like is that a riff on that and then sea of blood came out in the formatting on the release with the artwork literally um has like an emulation to an aspect of the original vhs for tumbling doll of flesh and i was like okay like this is what he's doing you know and, and this is super cool and um i started to pay more attention to his films and watch all of his stuff and uh it just felt like it was very very specific to what i wanted out of like an extreme cinema experience like it was just this like aesthetic overload of like really 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 well picked and curated um music of varying subgenres all co- subgenres that i liked um already 
uh, and with these like visuals and things that were connoting a bunch of films that were standouts to me in, in my early exploration of extreme cinema. Um, and at that point in time, other people weren't doing it that way. Like they weren't creating films that were like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so I, uh, I was, I was really, really gravitated towards his stuff and uh, started to just be a little more proactive in uh, collecting and reaching out to give support and praise for the aspects of the movies that I liked and whatnot. And then uh, before I knew it, um, he started to reach out for more uh, art assets for future releases. And that was a super big deal to me because I, I would have been happy even if it was like a one and done, you know, mm-hmm. like just the, to, to me at that point in time, uh, just getting to create cover art in general for anything that actually got released was like such a big fucking deal like it just meant the world to me um and he took a chance on me and let me make artwork for something without even seeing like I don't know if he even really really looked into any of the stuff I had posted on Instagram at that time like I didn't have anything like that even looked like what that cover ended up looking like or anything I've made for him subsequently, like nothing Mm -hmm. I posted before was really like that. And one thing that has really been awesome with working with Sam is that he's given me a lot of free reign and a lot of creative freedom on these stuff that he's had me make. Um, Like a lot of times he'll just give me just such a loose concept and give me a screener or some stills from whatever the upcoming project is and then he'll just let me go. And um, I I really, really, really appreciated him like letting me experiment in that way, especially with the end result of those projects being something that was going to be seen and bought by hundreds of people and be sitting on somebody's shelf in their collection. Like that, that was mm-hmm. such a such a huge deal to me, you know, because I mean, there are a ton of artists in the world, like there are more artists every day, especially in, it's so easy now to express yourself in that way. And it's a great thing with, with like the advent of social media and how easy it is to get into art with digital art now. Um, but uh, to be given the chance to create something um, for something that I already was interested in and held in like this sort of like reverence for myself just because it like ticked so many boxes for me um I was just flabbergasted that I got the opportunity but then I was blown away that he continued to give me opportunities um and I uh I've already created artwork for a bunch of other stuff that uh, he's working on completely separate from extreme cinema and completely separate from Sam Hell and stuff that he's not even promoting to any of these outlets or channels because he wants to rebuild a new audience like completely grassroots, completely organically um, with these new ventures and uh, let people filter in that want to transition to the new stuff and then not like try to just like bring over whoever is willing to like hit follow and never look again you know um and i think that's super commendable um because he he's pulling out before before his vision gets bloated and done to death you know um which is really cool uh just because i think that it's going to let the catalog of work he's created really stand 
yeah. as something that has a lot of quality control behind it. Um, and, I ultimately think it's a smart move. Yeah, and um, the fact that he's already had me work on some stuff for other projects and other avenues is just like such a big deal to me, you know? Um, because even though I love horror and I love extreme cinema and underground cinema and indie cinema and whatever, um, that's not the only thing I'm interested in, you know? And he's actually moving in directions. Like we just share the more, like the more I get to know and understand Sam and like his influences and the stuff that he is putting into these works and where he's coming from. It's like, there are so many adjacent interests that we have that mm-hmm. are, uh, overlapping and mm-hmm. stuff that we've never even had conversations about. And then he's like, Hey, mm-hmm. do you want to do our work for this? It's inspired by this, this, and this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the, it, it's just like, we're on the same wavelength or like there's, he's like speaking my language exactly when he like offers those projects to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I just feel really lucky to have, found a connection like that with a creative who wants to collaborate um because i i I think it's it's super easy with um creative jobs and with design oriented jobs to fall into a rut where you're just kind of making things and it feels by the numbers and it feels like oh i just do the same thing every time i just incorporate like this 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 and this depending on what they tell me to do um and not have any kind of passion involved in it it can be it can become more so like by being an artist you just turn into a designer and a technician versus an artist um being able to kind of like add your own thing you know to your final product and uh I just feel really really fortunate to be creating in the niche that I'm creating in right now and creating for the people that I'm creating for right now, because there is a lot of, there's a lot of passion here and there is a lot of understanding and openness and willingness to take chances, let people express themselves, let people work the way they want to work. And there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust between a lot of these creators that are reaching out um, right off the bat. Just the fact that they're like, well, none of your cover arts ever look like the same thing. So uh, I have no idea what you're going to submit to me, but here, try it anyway. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's just like a very humbling and a very flattering um, experience to be having with people. And a lot of the opportunities I'm getting now are strictly because of the work that I got to do for Sam first, um, first and foremost. Like that's how people got eyes on anything that I'm doing. Um, and that that's a super big deal and also the um the first project the odd world of felicia fisher um slipcover project was um that came about right before my dad passed away and um i remember i was in this you know super severe rut and art block and i anything I was trying to do creatively wasn't like panning out the way that I had planned for it to and I was kind of getting worried about just kind of being stuck in my hometown and not having like an outlet that would lead to anything because he was such an accomplished musician and he had done so many things that I was so proud of him for with art and with music and with creative outlets in general and I uh I wanted to move in a similar direction I was just trying to find my niche like just find a a place to fit in for creating um and for 
having those connections with other people. Um, and I got to show him my cover art for uh, Odd World right before he passed away. Um, and I remember that that was so impactful for me because when I was grieving and when I was dealing with the initial process after he passed, you know, untimely, like suddenly, um, the thing I kept in my head the entire time to keep myself going is reminding myself like that there was a really positive end note that, that I got to show him the start of me moving in a direction that I was going to be really proud of showing him. Like once I started to accumulate more work, like, like once I started to have more under my belt to show, like, and I, and he was, you know, like jazzed like (laughs) that, that somebody picked me up to do work for one of their things. And that it was an actual movie that got an actual release. And I had a Blu-ray in my hand that it was holding in front of him to show him, you know, like it's tangible thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just such a big, such a big deal. Um, So yeah, I, uh, I'm infinitely grateful to Sam for giving me the opportunity to um, create things for him. I'm grateful for the amount of trust and the amount of, leeway he gives me on what i can do creatively for all of the projects mm-hmm. he allows me to contribute to and uh yeah i just nothing but respect and positivity because he's just he's done a lot more for me than i think he even realizes that he has um so yeah yeah that's no that's he yeah he's I've learned a lot from him and especially when you're getting into looking into his new line of everything when, when I was doing his interview and he started getting into like talking about like Richard Kern and you know Gaspard No and getting into the people that weren't necessarily in the extreme side of cinema you can see that he sees cinema in a bigger picture than just this tangible thing or you know it's like or just like a one-dimensional thing like he he has a lot of depth and uh, understanding of cinema in general um so yeah i'm kind of stoked to see what happens um Me too. But, yeah but uh so getting um martin um yeah how many artists have you uh or how many uh people have you worked for now when it comes to making um when it comes to directors because you, you're at least 20 right <laughs> you know at least yeah um I'm, I'm lucky enough that I've, I've worked with um, most people on the scene really by now and uh, and a lot of people that I admire as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, I started off with, with Jorg and I was a huge fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam actually hired me very early on in one of his previous incarnations as, uh, I think it was Molly Walsh. No, it was... Um, Lost Witches. Lost, Lost Witches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I did. I did some work for him earlier. You did Rope well. Maiden, right? I did Rope Maiden. Yeah, That's such uh, a cool the, first, <laughs> the first thing. Yeah, I have to here. You got. I could probably one. grab like. Uh, there's probably at least like fifty DVDs that have your artwork on it. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm pretty much saturated of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and i, I did um a piece for his cannibal release as well um the, the dora one mm-hmm. he wanted me to do a piece of art for the inside of it um which is i think the first thing i did for him 
Um, and I, I did a cover art for a, a project that never got released as well, um, which I actually sent to uh, Kiyotaka Surisaki. He, he owns that piece now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, sent, I sent him that as a, as a thank you for something he did for me. Um, and, and Sam's a big fan of Kiyotaka as well, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 and and it was it was thanks to Sam that Dora became aware of me as well, actually. So yeah, I've got to thank him for that. Um, because then since then I've done artwork for uh, pretty much every Dora release now. I think mm -hmm. a couple that haven't been released yet, but are, they're coming. Um, yeah, and I've I've worked for. Uh, I did a little bit bit of work for Ryan Nicholson. Um, not long before he passed, that never actually got released. It was a the mm. balls T-shirt design he asked me to do. Um, did a lot of work with Phil Stevens. Um, I've, I've worked a lot with um, a company called Acid Brain in the states. I do a comic book with, and they, I, I got in touch with them through um, Ron DeCaro, who did the Gateway Meet, uh, the Bright Side trilogy. Um, I'd already done a piece of work for one of his campaigns and he introduced me to Acid Brain. But then via Acid Brain, I'd managed to end up doing a cover art for the Gateway Meet. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it, it's been cool because a lot of the films that I really dig in the underground scene, um, even if they've been released previously, I've somehow looked out and ended up managing to do cover art for some version of that film later on down the line. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just keep telling people that I'm a very selfish man and I just want to fill my shelves with all of my favourite movies with my cover <laughs> art on that's the plan that's the end goal <laughs> that's funny when you uh, when you uploaded that uh, profile picture that you have just of you standing in front of a bunch of your stuff um, I remember that <laughs> being like a big kicking off point for me, where I was like, I want a shelf of my shit. <laughs> yeah, right. I gotta get, I gotta get going. I need to get more stuff under my belt. Holy shit, that's awesome! <laughs> and I remember too um, when like, I first found out about uh, Lost Witch because it was like way after um, working with uh, Sam on a bunch of other different shit. I I started seeing people post about those VHS and, and just random threads on Facebook. And when I saw your piece on the cannibal one, I was like, Oh, that's so fucking cool. It's such a cool VHS. And I was like immediately pissed off. Cause I knew I was never going to get a copy of it. <laughs> because it's like living in the 50 and super sought after. So I was just like, Oh shit. I didn't so get cool. a copy of that one either. I thought that one was like, limited, yeah. I know some of those, especially the one that limited to three, the the green uh, elephant one. It's like, good luck. <laughs> or oh no, yeah, it was yeah. like way less than fifty. I don't remember how. No, much. three for a green elephant. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, you only did three of them. Uh, I was I... like, that's nuts. <laughs> like, good luck. Yeah. I'm just like. When I get a picked up for murder, it's going to be because I found an independent collector and stole all their rare media. <laughs> right. <clears throat> That's why I gave up on the whole trying to be a completionist with everything that Sam Hell ever came out with. Because I'm like, I'm never going to get that VHS. Right, so I might right. as well just like I give up on when it comes to that <laughs> freaking dream. You um, know when you yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still have a pretty sizable collection for for what um, 
for you the time prime. ID for sure. I, I, yeah. I don't have like, I've got LA bondage murders and that's the only thing I have pre ABH. Yeah. I'll t- I'll buy that for me. <laughs> <laughs> he made me a one of one DVD copy of the rope made that guy oh. Peter signed. Oh hell yeah! Oh cool. <laughs> That's yeah, the only the, guy, the only good. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Guys, also is awesome. I had, I had to do a, yeah, I did a whole I did the whole screening of uh, difficulty breathing with him. That was a cool experience, but. Yeah, yeah. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Mm-hmm. Keep telling him I'm going to go back to Japan and hassle him soon. <laughs> yeah, I would know. I would love to go like just shopping around with him and just like picking through some <laughs> some Grammy places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was looking through uh, a lot of the names of the people that um, that you did art for, and the only people that I didn't really know too much were Clayton Dean. Uh, and Jason Hoover. Um, can you kind of like educate me a little bit on them and just kind of like what their styles like and what their movies are like? Yeah, well, uh, Clayton Dean, um, I, I think in the end, he only made that that one movie. Uh, he, he was planning on making another one that I was talking to him about, that he, he actually had a, a meeting with uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Mm-hmm. Radici. Uh, John Morgan okay, from Tetra, right? Um, yeah, no, uh, no, the the actor from um, Cannibal Ferox. Oh, uh, is that my, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. Giovanni, yeah, and yeah, yeah. City of Living Dead. Yeah, yeah um, I know about it. it was going to be a cool project, but it, it never panned out. Um, but the, the short film he did that I did the the art for, um, it was kind of an experimental. Uh, I think it was black and white. It was very Lynchian. Um, been a long time since I've I've seen it, but it, it was a more of an experience than a watch. It was one of those kind of short films. It was very experimental, mm-hmm. very good, very good. He looked like he was going places. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what's become of Clayton. I've not heard from him for quite a while. Um, but that one's worth worth grabbing if you see a copy floating around for sure. What was the name of the title? Of the same movie? Uh, that was called. God damn it. Hang on. Uh, Feed the Black. Oh, okay. Feed the Black, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Jace, Jason Hoover was... Uh, uh, he, he was pretty big in the indie scene for a while. He was working with uh, Brian K. Williams for a little bit. Um, I, I think they had a, a small film company called Jab Pictures at the time. Mm-hmm. But the first thing I did for him was was through another company. It was for a VHS of his film, I Am No One, mm-hmm. which is a sort of short movie um, about a serial killer. Um, it just started sort of flying the wall, a bit like Man Bites Dog. Um, so you, you sort of see this guy and he'd, he'd be going through his process of what he does and how he picks up his victims. Um, sort of quite comedic for a while and then it gets, you know, shit gets real fast and... And then it ends, but it was a really good film. And then he 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 got back in touch with me a while later to do a cover art for a a film called um, uh, something about Room Two Two Three, Room Two Two Three. And uh, I, I saw that one recently because it 
Ubi. I'd never actually seen it previously. I just did the cover art for it. Um, that had Ellie Church in it as well. It, it was a pretty good little film. And I'm sure it's still on Tubi, so you should be able to see that one. Um, the Bodies in Room 223, that's what it's called. But uh, again, I think that was about a sort of hire, hire for contract killer hiding out in a room in a hotel. Um, can't remember a great deal more about it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I remember enjoying it. It was a good little flick. But yeah, I'm not sure what Jason Hoover's doing anymore. He was, he was pretty big on the scene for a while and then dropped. I don't know. He dropped off just like that call. <laughs> he dropped off. Dropped off from the scene entirely. Where did he go? Yeah, but just uh, I was kind of curious on with uh, Captain Berlin um, and kind of explaining that uh, I was kind of curious because I know um, both those projects are not ongoing anymore, right? They're done projects. No, no, Cap Captain Berlin's um, ongoing still. It's uh, it's a pretty popular comic book in uh, Germany at the moment. Um, they've actually just reprinted uh, this sort of bumper edition of the first three comic books. They've reprinted it three times now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's still going. The next issue has been worked on. So I, I don't work on every issue, but uh, sort of every every couple of issues, I'll I'll have a, a comic in there. Um, and yeah, you, usually, you know, Jörg has an idea of what to do and then um, we, uh, we hash out a story and I take it from there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's been one of the better jobs I've had actually as far as uh, um, revenue because every time it's reprinted, I get royalties. And it's, and it's nice. doing very well. It's doing very well in Germany. Have you ever thought about re-releasing Necromantic, the comics, uh, um, just kind of doing to, because it seems like those are hard to find. Yeah, yeah, I think um, uh, Vice Black Comics is, is the same company that puts out Captain Berlin. Um, and they did a European version in English and a German version. And uh, I think at the moment it's just gone to sort of print on demand through Amazon. Um, mm. They, they may still have a few copies available there, but uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that they re reprint more of them. I think it, it sort of, I don't know, it missed the mark a little bit when it came out. Um, we, we advertised it as much as we could, and then eventually, you know, people started to catch on and, and buy a few episodes, buy a few issues later on. But uh, it's, I, I don't think people really understood that it was. Necromantic three, or the closest anyone's going to come to to seeing a Necromantic three, because um, the story continues on. Uh, have you have you seen the comic? No, I, I mean no. I've been meaning to. I just haven't been able to get a copy. So, um, but I haven't gone like like heavily seeking it, you know, enough. But I just haven't really seen it. You know, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of follows the story of, of uh, Monica's character and and her child. 25 years on from the end of Necromantic 2. Um, but it's, I was really proud of the story. It's a very clever story, I think. And, and it's in keeping in tradition with the first two Necromantic movies. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was co-written with Jorg as well. So, you know, he, he was involved himself mm -hmm. with the entire process. 
So yeah, maybe if it gets enough interest again, that um, we'll start printing more copies, hopefully. Are you planning on doing anything more with your YouTube channel or is that just done? Oh man, no. no. <laughs> I, I saw the set it up and then I left it to go stagnant. <laughs> yeah. So now I've not done anything with it for years, actually. Yeah, I was like, last thing was like three years or four years ago. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was, I was. Um, it's another one of those things like my uh, store envy and the Patreon and things. You know, I'll, I'll pick them up and open them, and, and then I'll forget about them. It's, it's my one downfall is I'm no good at self promotion or selling myself, or you know, it's tricky. Yeah. It's, it's a full-time job in itself. Yeah, I finally started figuring out how to make money for myself with the podcast, and I've made seven cents so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, congratulations. Five more than this morning. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> working my way up. No. Uh, well, working for I you guys. I won't Silas's appearance fee. Well, hopefully this episode will make you a little money. So <laughs> I'm going for 15 cents. <laughs> I'm being exploited. <laughs> um, but yeah, I want to open the floor now to kind of see if you, um, either of you just want to ask each other questions um, just about, you know, art in general or your and each other's life or different influences and stuff like that. So I've got one for yeah. Martin real quick. Uh, because I noticed him, he, he literally, you just got the chance to use your own art book as a catalog reference to find a piece. <laughs> is that, is that a cool feeling? Yeah, is that the first time you did that? <laughs> that's not the first, and that's, that's pretty much the only reason I've created that book. <laughs> so I can, I can just reference. <laughs> But yeah, no, I've, I've done so many like little projects over the years that a lot of them slipped my mind. I'm like no, already scared. I've done like 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already like, I remember what I've done. <laughs> Honestly, ju just of the ones I remember, it would have been a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've, I've got one for you, Silas. If you could work with any other director in the scene, who would you want to work with? Oh, man. Um, honestly, uh, I don't see this happening because he kind of has his own thing going on, but um, I really, really love uh, James Bell's work. Um, I'm super, super into his art style and the entire aesthetic of like everything that he brings to the table between like his uh analog synth stuff that he uh uses in in movies kids um, kids. yeah yeah and uh the artwork that he creates and like the stop motion stuff and the and the um the super crazy like gore versions special editions of stuff he was doing uh a while yeah. back yeah just, just the visual style, the stuff that those films connote, like they always make me think of, uh, like street trash and a bunch of like real messy, sloppy, like real low budget, like super cool, like underground '80s flicks and shit. And I just, 
you can tell that there's just um, so many layers to the aestheticism that he brings to the table. And um, man, I'd love to do something with him. I don't even care what it is, like some sort of like minor collaboration. It doesn't have to be artwork. Um, he's just yeah, such yeah. a cool guy. And I've listened to like all of his interviews and he always, he seems just so kind and down to earth, like about everything. And he also like makes this shit on like shoestring budgets as like, like yeah. I, I was listening to his bones and bruise thing earlier today while I was working on a piece and um, he was talking about how one of his movies was kind of made at a loss because he ended up spending $400 on it and I was like damn like he's he's got it down to a science like it's, it's so crazy <laughs> you know um, but he just he puts out super cool stuff all the time I love to work with him um, also uh, Guy uh sculpting fragments like his stuff is awesome um the covers you've done for him are awesome i'd love to uh i'd love to know that some of my stuff was floating around in japan like that would be the coolest feeling (laughs) in the world because so much uh japanese cinema whether it be like 80s and 90s like one-off anime movies and like the vampire hunter d and berserk and and like wicked city and all that kind of shit or like um, just any any Japanese horror uh, stuff like that, like it, the idea of me having an underground horror cover floating around Japan would be like the coolest thing in the world. Uh, those are two off the top of my head for sure. Yeah, yeah, both very cool guys. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like um, I mean I'm lucky enough to own a couple of James Bell props. Um, yeah, but he, he he sort of is part of the furniture of the scene. That, well, he makes the furniture of the scene. <laughs> <laughs> like nearly every indie movie that, that that's out there, um, you you can recognise James Bell props. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, you know, it's a James Bell prop. And and I I loved um, Dog Dick was awesome when that yeah. first came. I was a big fan, still a big fan of that. And Tantrum I love as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember when a uh, dog dick was under fire for a bit, and I felt like it was such a, a big bummer because I it was just like I was so into that movie, and I was so into how like on the nose and like wearing it on its sleeve it was with a uh, like the gummo influence, but it also mm. felt like its own movie, but it felt like an even more real version of gummo and yeah that's what i found it. yeah and he described it in the bones and bruise podcast as literally being like a time capsule of a specific point in his life and he talked about how down and out he was at the time that he made that and i was like you know like at this point it's just like somebody having the audacity to bear their soul for other people to see and like be able to like see what they were going through or kind of like what their day-to-day was like in their community you know and then he got shit on for a bit for it and i thought that was so shitty you know yeah because that's, such a, cool, some, that's uh, such a cool film yeah yeah some youtuber demand therapy money or something from yeah I I saw a real depiction of what it's like to live in poverty in the middle of Indiana, you know, like or whatever. Like, like I'm kind of in the same boat in a lot of ways. But I think uh, from the stuff that James has described, it seems like there are more disparities in his community, and it's a little smaller than where I live. So, like, 
but I like understand where he's coming from because I grew up in like complete like rural and suburban blight like I you know that it's very close to home and I uh I just feel like a deep connection with a lot of the stuff that he's made like I love I just love his catalog um (laughs) another thing uh for you Martin is um actually perfect perfect time to ask this uh (laughs) because uh I I uh know that you're a big fan of um the elephant man um uh do you have the movie novelization <laughs> i don't actually. you don't okay cool no. so, uh the other day like last week at work um part of what i do in my job like i do cataloging and data entry stuff and i uh withdraw old materials from the library to get put into like book sale donation and stuff um and on my cart of withdrawals i pulled um the movie novelization of the elephant man um wow which is super cool because i didn't know it had one first of all and secondly uh i don't know how it is where you're at but in the states it seems like it's exceedingly harder to find um like movie license paperbacks um Mm -hmm. like 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 the paperbacks for um like halloween and friday the 13th and all that stuff like it becomes like really hard to get to get and you just kind of have to look into them in thrift stores or buy them on the collector's market for an arm and a leg um but this is that like paperback size novelization but it's in the library style hardback binding um and it's in surprisingly good condition for its age and uh i came across this and and withdrew it from the collection the day before you made the post about your current collection um and i had already had you in mind for it and i just thought it was super (laughs) perfect timing so i was going to ask you if you would like me to send this to you oh yes (laughs) i would love to contribute to your collection for that film but also it is literally branded with like the stamps and stickers from my library so it's you know like oh that's awesome to me for you (laughs) oh thank you mate (laughs) i'll I'll have to find i'll have to find something to send you in return yeah no worries (laughs) thanks a lot man yeah no that's one thing i don't have I, i recently got um I, I found an original version of, of the script, um, uh, sort of oh, used yeah. version of the script from the set. And uh, it was going to cost so much to post here from the States. It was unreal. So I, I had it posted to a friend of mine over there <laughs> to then post onto me, thinking eBay <laughs> was just trying to rip me off. Uh-huh. And it was going to cost three times as much <laughs> as the original estimate. Oh, so it's lang- languishing in, in his apartment in the States. Until uh, COVID post is less crazy, hmm. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, oh, it's COVID post is crazy. <laughs> it's super crazy. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate that, mate. That's great. Yeah. It works. <laughs> um, was there I, any... I, I haven't. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to say I, I haven't seen. Um, Let's stop at the morgue yet. I've, I've got to get a copy of that. But um, the artwork that Silas did for the cover of that, um, where did the idea for the artwork come from? Was that from from stills or from the movie itself? So um, 
what I did with that one is um I did I worked off of stills um Sam sent me just a batch of specific stills that he was uh wanting included or incorporated into the artwork and he uh he had a few specific shots in mind that he was really fond of um and I tried to take those images and um figure out a way to create a unique composition with them that wasn't just like a standard collage like I I really like um I like to do different things with collage every time but um sometimes I I think like a stacked collage like kind of like the shirt that Christian's wearing or like your design on your shirt that you're wearing Mm. is like more beneficial for the the full range of the piece but I was like what if I play with the um the proportions of things so like I I use one of these images to be like a very large central image and then in the negative space in the corners I try to fit other images within those spaces so that was the first time I Mm -hmm. tried to um do something a little different like that because usually with collage stuff I kind of keep it around the same size proportionally and just kind of like fill the space until it looks appeasing you know like you're aesthetically pleasing to look at um but with that one I try to be intentional because I wanted it to be something that was kind of eye-catching while also uh having to work within the constraints of it being monochromatic because the film is in black and white and I couldn't use uh color to make it pop as a shelf piece for people to see and want to grab um if they found in the wild or whatever so I was like just trying to think of a way that I could still make it kind of pop so i think that the uh pale figure in the middle and then the hair being like the separation point for a bunch of the images and breaking them up and having someone with a gun to their head being like the central image of it was a good compromise to try and find a way to make people give a shit about picking it up yeah yeah it still it still catches the eye pretty effectively definitely thank you Well, um, I think I'm going to close it out as we're getting kind of in a good time. Uh, but no, th- thank you very much, though. I, I do appreciate you both coming on. Um, good job. I mean, I could chat forever, really, to be honest. But, you know. Um, but yeah, um, thank you again. And I look forward to, you know, seeing what both of you come out with. Um, so, you know, both of you have definitely become a big staple um, into when it comes to the extreme art humanity so thank you thank Thank you you. i'm just jazzed to be in the same virtual room as all of you (laughs) so thank you for the (laughs) opportunity and the interest yeah no and thank you actually a really quick shout out to you just in general just because uh um our logo and everything just for people that don't know you know you you did that and the backdrop and you know you've been a big part of this i think you were my first person on discord you know to to like chime on and you know be part of that so you know you've been yeah. definitely a big fan of of our channel um from day one so yeah i i definitely am and so I, sorry i like am not active on discord but i'm like very i get socially overwhelmed very easily so it's um it, it's I, I still read stuff and i still look at stuff on occasion but there's I, I i think the discord is so cool and i i i want you to know that i think it's such a cool resource for when you want to see news or see uh 
conversation about like anything specific just because of all the uh yeah the, not being afraid of getting banned for some bullshit post yeah yeah know. well on all the specific servers for all the specific releasing companies or topics or anything that people want to talk about I yeah because i don't want to get all discombobulated and all over the place and because people can definitely be like that and you know yeah it's but, really yeah. well organized really well put together i think that the way you guys have been building up this entire thing um has been so awesome and yeah, it's really really that. impressive to see your growth within just the past like year that it has existed like mm -hmm. so cool yeah no you too martin i've seen that you've been on a few of the uh screenings and uh, been part and, yeah yeah so. thanks Martin. well i would never been on discord until you invited me <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I had to say to you, I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was confused as fuck. Yeah, I was confused as fuck for starting it. But I was just like, whatever. I'm gonna push through and figure it out, and I'm glad I did. But yeah, I was very but, green. Yeah, the screen going green. in. I was in like one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, thanks again. Um, but yeah, you both take care. Yeah, you too, yeah. mate. Cheers. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Later.